Hungry homies, today's edition of House of Carbs presented by our good pals at Universal Orlando Resort. If you are anything like me, and if you're listening to this podcast, we probably have a couple things in common. One of your favorite things to do while vacationing is to enjoy delicious food and drinks. Well, at Universal Orlando Resort in Orlando, Florida, you're going to find a vacation experience where even your taste buds get to go on adventure. While it would probably take a whole week to try all the food that's down there at Universal Orlando, here are some fan favorite stops. And by the way, I'm going to go through all of these. But I want you to know, my dear culinary comrades, I am going to go down there. I am going to sample every one of these things that's listed here, plus a dozen more. I promise to have a genuine taste bud report for all of you. You can start your day with breakfast pizza at the newest uh, offering, Universal Hotel the Endless Summer Resort. Then Surfside Inn and Suites, you experience a mix of American, Mediterranean, and Asian fair cuisine. They have this at the award-winning Mythos Resort. You can cool off with a Watori Fusion ice cream cone at Universal's Volcano Bay. Get yourself a little taste of Italy for dinner. You need to replace the carbs with some freshly prepared pasta at Vivo Italian Kitchen, and then you satisfy your sweet tooth at the Toothsome Chocolate Emporium and Savory Feast Kitchen. Download Universal Orlando Resort's foodie bucket list on their blog and visit www.universalorlando.com to start planning your vacation today. Hungry Homies, today's House of Carbs also brought to you by... Lara Bar, made with just a handful of real ingredients like unsweetened fruits, whole nuts, spices, and sometimes, especially when I'm eating them, delicious chocolate chips. Lara Bar is simple, delicious, and easy to bring wherever life takes you. And with more than 20 flavor options, all inspired by delicious desserts like cherry pie, chocolate chip, cookie dough, lemon bar and peanut butter chocolate chip lara bar is sure to fight off hunger and satisfy your sweet tooth this is my friends a perfect snack to have in the office when you're looking for a couple hundred calories to go along with a delicious iced coffee these lara bars are my go-to lara bar is available nationwide at your local grocery store at Target, Walmart, or even on Amazon.com. Explore all their fun flavors at Larabar.com to find your favorite Larabar food made from food. Hey now, my culinary comrades, my hungry homies, my taste buds, you on it. We are reconvening. It's a beautiful summer edition of House of Carbs, the food podcast for the hungry people by the hungry people. I am your hungry host, Joe House, and this is on the Ringer Podcast Network. My culinary comrades, we have an old friend of ours this week. Andrew Knowlton has been traveling 
the world this summer and eating everywhere he goes. The editor-at-large from Bon Appetit. He's also down in Austin, Texas, making it a go with his uh, Carpenter's Hotel. But he goes abroad. He's, he's been driving up and down the east coast of the United States from Austin all the way up to, to Maine. And he also took a trip to France. He tells us about some of his eating journeys, not to bury the lead, but he tracked the Tour de France for a little while. And those guys eat kind of insane. I'll just leave it at that. We're also overdue for another beautiful summer edition of Food News. The Chief Craig Gaines is available to join us. Juliet's on hiatus, but she'll come back in the in the fall. We will all convene for more food news, uh, but a terrific summer edition with the Chief. Let's get in that belly, my hungry homies, with Andrew Knowlton. All right, my hungry homies, we could not let the summer go by without having an old friend of ours give us a visit. I've been monitoring his whereabouts, as we do here in this modern age, by tracking him on Instagram, and I observed a trip to France recently that caught my eye. This gentleman is an editor-at-large for Bon Appetit magazine, co-owner and proprietor of the Carpenter Hotel in Austin, Texas, most recently the host of the culinary spectacle on Netflix, The Final Table, Andrew Knowlton. What's up, buddy? What's up, Hal? Good, good to be back, man. Thanks. Happy summer. Happy summer. I mean, busy summer, too, for, for at least one of us. So I watched you travel from Austin, Texas to Maine with your family. I watched that on Instagram. Then I yeah. I, I, I caught you in, in, in France uh, a few weeks ago. It seems like there hasn't been a lot of uh, rest and relaxation uh, in the in the Knowlton household this summer. Yeah, well, I spent, I spent two months during the summer with my family and kids, so I thought I deserved, uh, like every dad, a, a week off in France by myself watching uh, grown men ride around mountains on spandex, you know? <laughs> As one does. <laughs> no, I've, I, uh, I, one of my, my lifelong goals has been uh, to go to the Tour de France, uh, the bike race, uh, uh, and I finally, I finally made it happen. Uh, and of course, because it's not just a sporting event for me, it's like the ultimate kind of food tour, not only for the riders because they have to consume all these crazy calories just to, you know, survive 21 days and 2,100 miles of riding a bike, but also because you get to go, personally, me get to ride in a car behind them and go to one of these amazing villages and uh, eat cheese while they're suffering. Yeah, so you've been to France before. You've you've done Paris, and and you know I I've uh, you've taken pr proper note of all the high spots. Have you done the French countryside at all before? Yeah, so I've been to kind of the south of France, the Mediterranean, uh, down in kind of French Basque country, which is just right on the Spanish border, and then Normandy, where all the great kind of dairy butter, uh, Brittany, where the oysters are from. But I'd never been to kind of the the Alps, the French Alps, um, which is traditionally where 
the Tour de France will go usually in its third week. Uh, they'll that that'll be four or five days of the climbing stages, as they call them, going up into the Swiss Alps. So I was lucky enough to go uh, with one of the few American teams, uh, Education First, uh, which is out of Boston, um, and be a part of their team and kind of follow the riders in a car, but then also on their bus as they went from kind of location to location. And, uh, I mean, I'm like a, you know, an amateur cyclist. I like to throw on the spandex once in a while and get out of the house the way you like to golf, uh, house on the weekends. I like to, uh, go ride the bike a little bit. Good. So, um, the, 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 the group welcomed you with, with open arms. Did you have any sense, any, uh, anticipation of what you were going to encounter in terms of the food and eating experience? Well, only in that, like anytime you you do kind of a sport where you, where food or eating actually becomes part of, uh, the sport. Uh, and, and, you know, I guess, you know, it's not like really like you need to carb up before you go play 18 holes. Um, but, you know, with cycling, you know, there's that term bonking, uh, which bonking is basically when you cannot move your body anymore and your, your body's depleted. And that, that kills riders all the time. So they're constantly, I mean, these guys will burn up to 8,000 calories, you know, within a six-hour period on some of the harder stages. So they've got to constantly, every hour they're on the bike, you know, you, if you watch them on NBC Sports, you'll see them eating, but you don't realize how much they're eating constantly just to, you know, fill the tank. And and by the end of the tour, they don't want to look at food anymore because all they do is sleep, ride a bike, eat, sleep, ride a bike, eat, and then eat some more. So they've hired all these chefs uh, that will have each team will have their own bus, uh, culinary bus. Well, they make all the food for the riders. Uh, at each stop and and that's for you know there's three main reasons they do that is one because back in the day you check into some crummy french hotel and half the team would get food poisoning uh you know eating whatever the second is they would get back from riding 120 miles up a mountain and then they would have to wait two hours while the chef prepared their food so now they do it timely right after they get done with the race they sit there and eat you know 5,000 calorie meals. And then the third is what I just mentioned is like making the food look delicious while it being, uh, you know, full of carbs, uh, so that they can eat after 21. Cause a lot of them don't want to eat anymore and they do all those gels and they're drinking all those, all those food drinks, uh, that their stomachs start to flip flop. So I went to, you know, and I'm going to write about it, uh, for Bon Appetit. Uh, to kind of like as somebody who loves food so much, and basically the only reason I ride a bike is so I can eat a cheeseburger and drink a beer after I do ride a bike. These guys can't do that, like, they, but they've constantly got to eat. So I just wanted to see, like, I interviewed a bunch of them, like, do you, do you like eating? Like, what do you look forward to? Does it suck? Because a lot of them just eat white rice. I mean, they literally will eat piles and piles of white rice. So this is the most fascinating aspect of it, and I won't um, interrogate you too much because I want you your your, your um, written piece for Bon Appetit uh, to stand up. We won't steal all that thunder, 
But this is, um, at least on the face of it, as you describe it, and as we sort of uh, exchange notes um, in advance of you coming on today, this is f- food as fuel. I mean, this is a, a, a very um, peculiar cohort, this this group of, of riders participating in this race who are c- consuming food purely for the purposes of fueling their bodies to um, make it to the to the next day, the next stage and and compete at this at this highest level. And it seems like based on you know some of the things that that you've said and and you know what what you observed, you're stripping away all of the sort of pleasure elements of food all, all together. Is that right? Well, I mean, I think that's what I thought it would be. But, you know, and I, I think, you know, if, if you go run a half marathon and you've got to fuel up, food is fuel. But when you're doing it over the course of like 21 days, basically a month, it, it's got to be more than fuel. So that's what I'm looking into is where does like, where does, you know, somebody's liking, like I like, you know, the Americans on the tour, according to the chef, they always love when they get to have tacos. So they have like, or fajitas. Well, but but then the South Americans hate spice or anything. They just want pasta. The Italians just want pasta. Uh, so kind of looking at like where does like flavor and taste actually finally come into it? At some point, it stopped. It, it, it's still fuel, but it, you can't. It's like eating when you're not hungry. You can't eat when you're not hungry. I mean, you, you physically you just can't do it. If you're stuffed, you literally can't eat one more thing. And a lot of those guys feel that way. So. Just kind of getting in there and discovering. I mean, I do think it was interesting of, of, of all the flack that, uh, you know, we Americans get when we travel abroad about being terrible, terrible tourists. She was saying that the, the chef was that the American riders are the most uh, easygoing and they'll eat anything, basically. It's, it's mostly the French and Italians who won't eat anything but, their, you know, their food from their country. Uh, That's... But, you know, one of, one of the Italian riders from French, like, he brought his own olive oil from his family's estate in Italy that he would have. And like uh, TJ Van Garden, who's an American writer, he had a collection of like seven or eight hot sauces that he had collected throughout the United States that he brought on tour with him. So there was all these like little tweaks, the fact that, you know, when they're eating chicken and, and um, you know, they would have like salmon, like blackened salmon, or she would make kind of three ingredient cookies. And, uh, you know, the day before rest stage, they would have hamburger night where they were able to eat hamburgers. Um, but there's all these little things they don't eat or they can't eat. A lot of it's superstition, too. You know, if you win a race, if you win a stage at the Tour de France, and the night before you had, you know, blueberry uh, pancakes, you're probably going to eat blueberry pancakes for the rest of your career. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> you I, know? I, I was, I am kind of captivated by the idea of, of flavor, and I do take some heart. Um, I'm, I'm heartened by the anecdote that the American writer brought along his hot sauces. It seems like if you uh, need to, for the purposes of just basic survival of the competition, consume massive quantities of carbs, there has to be some way to make it palatable to overcome the phenomena that you're describing which is, yeah. you know, eating when you when you're not hungry. Um, yeah, you just don't what, want to eat anymore. Yeah, what what did you observe? You know, obviously the hot sauces. That's one surefire way 
to bring um, some some flavor in. Were, were there like did, did tomato sauce go on the pasta or was it white no, sauce? Like how, how do they do this? A little, yeah, a little bit of tomato. I mean, tomato sauce is tough because it can get a lot of the riders find it to be acidic. You know, like right, you're right, riding up right. the hill and all of a sudden you burp and you know you get right. tomato. That's got to be one of the worst things. I mean, a, a lot of them, it's olive oil. Uh, they will, They there's always good Parmigiano-Reggiano on the table. Um, mm. A lot of them, like I saw some of them using like Zitar, like, some, you know, that wow. Middle Eastern spice. Uh, yeah. So they'll, they'll bring in like those condiments that kind of help them. And, you know, look, some of the writers are just shoveling rice to their mouth. That's the way they are. They have bland diets even when they're when they're not racing. And others of them, like, you know, uh, Olga, the chef at Education First, like she was, she was making blackened salmon, which had, you know, coriander and uh, cardamom and a little bit of just a tiny bit of cayenne. And like she would do that. And, you know, I ate the food and it was, you know, I thought it could have used a little bit more salt. There's reasons that I don't, you know, put all that sodium in there. But, you know, there's, there's little tricks that she does to kind of fool them into, you know, anything that tastes good. Because, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever exercised, Kyle? <laughs> How dare you? I was a, a, a very mediocre runner in high school. Uh, I ran the half mile and the mile, although I will say that my high school team finally uh, received its just uh, due. We were the first uh, track team in the history of my high school to win the conference championship. Flags fly forever. That banner is up. In the gym, it's been there since the 80s. That's when I was in high school. And I was a cat, one of the captains of the team, and we were just inducted into my high school's Athletic Hall of Fame, I'll have you know, Andy nice. Moulton. So that's, you that's some... Did you go back? So, of course. I mean, I, I, it's, a, it's a D.C. school, so I didn't have to go very far. Uh, and any chance to go, you know, have somebody celebrate the, the greater glory, I, I mean, I'm in for it. You know how I, how I roll. Oh yeah, no, no. Uh, did you ever <laughs> anyway, when you were when you were running? So I, you know, and I, I also, all jokes aside, did play competitive water polo in college. Um, all four okay. years. All we were, right. Then I'm, know, I'm, I was being disrespectful. I'm sorry. That, that no, it's okay. <laughs> but that's that's how I build up my appetite. I mean, that there was I was running and swimming all through high school and in college. So that's how it's those distance kind of events that um, you know produce. The, the 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 room in the in the stomach i i needed my own number of calories as i stopped participating in those events um you know still wanting Wait, to I eat all one, those calories one water polo question for you is it true that you grow out your toenails longer so that you can stab people basically under under the water with I, your feet? I would say one could do that i did not do that i wasn't okay. uh competitive enough or good enough for for that kind of advantage um to come okay. into play and be meaningful um but but yeah. it is a thing that that can be done yes okay uh well you know when i was talking to a lot of the writers they the sport that they compared the exhaustion that they feel the most they compared it to swimming or treading water for that sure long. and then yes that, that physical feeling where you just you can't you can't go on anymore. And then it becomes your, you know, you, your body's done and it becomes like your mind, mind over body kind of situation. Um, did, was there anybody that stood out 
in terms of the folks that you encountered among the various teams that um, struck you as having a, a diet that seemed out of order compared to everybody else, or were they pretty much in lockstep, just sitting down and, well, and nail, nailing four thousand calories? They used to be prim- primarily like under one country, right? So you'd have FDJ, which is a traditionally a French team, and all those riders on that team are from France. So you know everyone is kind of on sync on that team in terms of their backgrounds and what they've grown up eating on the education first you know there's eight eight riders on a team usually doing the tour de france they they were all from eight different countries so you had a colombian ah. you had a you know australian you had a canadian you had an american you had a dutch guy so like the fact that they were all you know having they would have to cook for all those different things i think there's a guy named rigoberto iran he's one of the world's top riders and it was the basically a contender for this year's Tour de France. He's uh, Colombian. And he he's kind of the team leader. And whatever he says goes. And his diet, he would just eat, you know, by and large, didn't really care for fish, didn't want any spice. He just ate basically white rice uh, and an omelet in the morning every single meal from what I saw. Uh, you know, and I just can't imagine, I can't imagine going 21 days just, I mean, eating a cheeseburger every day for 21 days is hard enough, but eating right, white, you know, basically white rice for 21 days. Um, it, it was, it was, it was shocking. I mean, it feels as grueling as the event itself. Like that all, no, but, you know, I mean, that's kind of the, you know, as I formulate a story in my head, it's like, that's the, the true race is like, how do you not bonk? How do you not get sick? And, and how do you not, you know, how do you have enough fuel to get to get through this? And it becomes a, it, yes, you're racing against the riders and you're racing against the topography of a course, but you're racing against being able to eat enough food so that you don't pass, so that you don't pass out and you can't finish. And that's, you know, one, the day that I was in the car right behind the riders, it was 101 degrees. It was from a town in the kind of south of France, Nîmes. So it was Nîmes to Nîmes. It was a circular route. And one of the riders, Mike Woods, who's a, a Canadian rider, he, I asked him after the race, I was like, you drank a lot of waters, bottles of water that day. And I was like, how many did you have? And he said he had 22 bottles of water over the course of a 100-mile race. Uh, and just imagine drinking 22-hour, 22, you know, uh, sport bottle, you know, water things uh, in five hours. Like physically, you couldn't do that unless you were riding a bicycle. You know, it's just incredible what they do. Yeah, it needs to leave your body as quickly as it's going in. And so I forgot that the right. heat wave in France coincided with the 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 tour. I mean, the that, heat that, wave. That, yeah. that must have been just just otherworldly uh, amping up the the challenge of the whole thing. Yeah, and, and it really affects the next, you know, the night before what they're what they're eating and all that because you sweat more and you know you're not going to have something usually. And she was said the chef said she would never put anything before a really hot day with curry and all that because that yeah. you know, kind of comes up you sweat that out and all that. So right, no, uh, a yeah, good there's point. all these weird things they have to think about. Is there a tradition at the end, an eating tradition, um, where they they let their their hair down, so to speak, and and you know go to town? Yeah. So the 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 twentieth stage is the 
is the um, penultimate stage. So, and then the the ride into uh, Paris along the Champs Elysees is yes uh, now traditionally just become a formality, right? Um, the, the sprinters thing. So then the day before, I know that education first. That's cheeseburger night, and ah. it doesn't matter where you're from in the world. Everyone like celebrates with a cheeseburger. Um, so that's that's kind incredible of like for all of us. That at the end of the day, that's all uh, humankind really wants at the end of the day is a cheeseburger. <laughs> that's right. That sounds like the the lead to this story. I mean, I don't know if you started writing already, but I mean, it's going to be tough to beat that. Would, yeah. Man. Would that, you that's... would you ride twenty one days, uh, twenty two hundred miles? Uh, up and down mountains for a single cheeseburger? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I wouldn't, but you know, there are. I would go to certain extremes in in pursuit of a delicious cheeseburger. Sure, I'm willing to do some self deprivation. Um, and then the, of- the one the one postscript onto that is if you ever want to see how fast somebody can get drunk, is go. To the Champs Elysees, to the after parties, and there's this club uh, right off the Champs Elysees that after they have all their team parties, all the riders kind of go to uh, the riders, the bicycle riders. They go to, and it's kind of like, okay, we're done. And you know, they're Europeans, so they they you know they like to go to the disco a little bit, the nightclub, and you know. They have literally one glass of champagne, and the whole room is just wasted. You know, they sure. haven't had any. You know, they used to drink, I think, a lot on the tour. You know, they'd have a bottle of wine or all that. Now it's you know with athletes that none none of that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's kind of funny to watch all these little skinny dudes with all these bicycle pants. Uh, just getting drunk <laughs> off of a sip of uh, champagne. <laughs> an- 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 another great uh, tradition. Well, speaking of, of great traditions, uh, I want to touch on your multiple trips to Maine. I know from uh, the experience of, of, you know, just consuming your content over the years uh, and then your, your, uh, your estimable Instagram presence that you go to Maine, I think every year with your family for vacation. And and this year you guys put a spin on it. You got in a car and made it a multi-city multi-day trip early in the summer. And I want to hear a little bit about like the method behind that madness. And then, um, you know, uh, any, any outstanding, food adventures you found yourself on uh during during that crazy trip yeah so we we left like memorial day and you know we've you know i've never really done the kind of great american road trip uh with my family my girls are old enough so we we left from austin went to maine we stopped in new orleans and i knew the girls would like uh, cafe du monde so we went there i think they were a little freaked out about kind of like how crazy New Orleans can be just like all the people on the street. And, yeah. uh, but they still talk about the, the, the beignets. Then we went via Atlanta, my hometown. We went up to Richmond, had amazing oysters, uh, from the Rappahannock river. Uh, oh, right there. all um, right. That's my backyard. You know that. Yeah. yeah. We know and the then, Rappahannock. And then up through, uh, up through New York and then finally Maine. But, you know, as I'm talking to you right now, I just passed Fayetteville, North Carolina, which is right near Fort Bragg, uh, one of the huge military bases. I'm on my way back 
to Austin right now. Um, we, I just stopped in a town called Wilson, North Carolina, which is, uh, there's a huge Purina factory there, but there's a really good old school barbecue place called Parker's barbecue known for their, uh, kind of Eastern Carolina style barbecue, uh, whole hog barbecue, pork barbecue with vinegar, a little bit of peppers, had that. They have really good sweet little, uh, hush puppies, uh, fried chicken, just like an old school founded in 1952. So I just just stopped there. Um, and now I'm on my way to Charleston, South Carolina, kind of going out of the way and going to visit there. And, uh, and then we'll go there back to, uh, Atlanta and then one more time through, uh, New Orleans because I love that town. Are you, are you with the family on this ride back right now? So, so on the, (laughs) on, on the way up I was, and then when it came time to come back, they, the, the, they were just like, fuck it. There's no way we're doing that again. So, uh, <laughs> that's, you know, that's I have funny. Because I have my dog and I, you know, he's a puppy and there's no way I can, you know, that whole service animal racket. There's no way I could pass him as a service animal. No, um, no, no. So I'm driving back. I'm, I'm with a, my buddy Donald and we're, we're, we're on a little buddy tour. So we're just like eating barbecue and drinking beer at night and waking up like buddy road trip movie thing for the dog. I didn't know that we were going to stumble into, you know, the back end of this, this eating, uh, adventure. I, I'm, I feel so lucky. I'm so, so pleased. It's funny that your, your family, um, crossed off the road trip. They crossed that off their, their fuck it list. Maybe not a, a bucket yeah, they were list. Like, done. But... We're, there's no way we need to do that. <laughs> well, part of the problem with traveling with me is, you know, they care about food, but they don't want to stop at every place and have this thing. They just kind of want to like, you know, watch a movie on their iPhone. And here I am stopping at, you know, some old school fried chicken place in Greensville, North Carolina. And, and it's kind of lost on them. How yes. I do have a problem though, with your hometown. So I just I spent the night last night in Washington. DC. Thank, uh, thanks for the shout out last night. Dined around. Uh, and I was leaving DC and I got a fucking speeding ticket. Yeah, they do that. It's a racket down They're here. They're brutal. Yes, this is part of the, the ta- how they. And a twenty-five. It was in traffic. I'm going to challenge it. So, you well, know anybody they... in DC? <laughs> Not to help you with parking tickets. It is. <laughs> it, it's an extraordinary. I mean, uh, dr- speeding tickets. It is part of how they tax um, the outsiders. They pay attention to where your license plate is from. Now they saw and my, they saw my Texas tags, and they're like, "Let's get that kid." That's it. You got it. That's exactly. I mean, this this you're not allowed because the Congress is here. None none of the Congress folks from Virginia or Maryland will allow the district to to do any kind of commuter tax for all the people that come into the city every day. So the way they make up for it is is to catch poor, unsuspecting souls like you. With foot with with out of state license plates and and give out hundred dollar speeding tickets. I told I told the cop I was just trying to get to North Carolina in time before this barbecue place closed. But she did she didn't buy that at all. Though. She did not care. Did you have anything yeah, delicious care. to eat? Did you did you, are you are you ready to name names about where you ate last night? Oh yeah yeah we went to uh let's see we went to spoken english which is the kind of stand-up restaurant inside of the vine hotel indeed yes I highly recommend that kind of funky our, and our boy there eric we... eric bruner eric bruner yang right yes exactly uh they do this really cool chicken skin dumpling that if you make it over there 
check that out. And then I'm kind of, uh, you know, we're I'm working on a new project in San Antonio, and I think we're going to do some live fire, uh, uh, live fire restaurant, some sort of um, hearth. And so we we went over to Maydan, which I know you've been to Maydan. We yes, went over to yes. Gaffney, check out that live fire. Um, and then uh, we went. We actually. Uh, I know a guy who works at Mini Bar, so we went there, and that was kind of a blast from the past. I don't know if you've been there recently, but you know where they have all the foaming cocktails, smoking yeah, cocktails. Yeah, it's been it's been years, and I know they constantly reinvent, but it's always the same basic thing. You sit down, and it's it's uh, 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 I'm going to get it wrong. Molecular gastronomy. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, at, I mean, it's, at, you know, Tozan Grace is like now. Yes. I feel like you get people there who just want him to find, you know, Time Magazine <laughs> that he was on, stuff like with, that. With good reason. Um, but it is cool to kind of revisit Uh-oh. those places and not always search for the new to do do and kind of uh, check it out. So, but you know, I think your your hometown is like always. I've always enjoyed going there. There's always something new going on. You know, I think the the international food there is so great. There's always out so besides getting tickets i love that town so you did that i mean you hit literally all the hot spots in in dc ak the dabney with fire maidan with fire and then minibar you know the hottest uh jose andres joint on on the planet um thank you <laughs> thanks for the call i would have I, I mean i'm sure i could have made some time to come join you but it, it's okay i'm I, I i understand you're a busy man um i want to hear about <laughs> You don't even answer my calls every time I ask you out for dinner, so I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I usually have plans, buddy. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, you, you spend uh, a decent portion of every summer in Maine, so I know it's not easy to distinguish one kind of Maine eating ex- summer experience fr- from another, but I do want to hear about, Did was there a singular standout dish that you enjoyed in your trip to Maine this summer? Uh, you no, know, I would say, you know, everybody goes to Maine for, you know, food-wise for usually like one of two things. They go for lobster, they go for like a, a blueberry, a blueberry pie or some sort of, something to do with blueberries. And I think there's a, there's a place on St. George Peninsula, which is, uh, about an hour and a half north of Portland. Um, there's a little lobster shack there called McLoon's Lobster Shack. And they do, you know, you can get your lobster dinner. Uh, you can get um, you can get a lobster roll. But the thing to get there is a crab roll. Uh, it's like a peaky toe crab roll. Oh. comes on a toasted bun. It's just, I think it's, lobster's always bothered me because it's like either chewy and it's, it's harder to cook. And the, and the lobster, the crab is just so sweet. And most people get the... The mayonnaise-based one, but I actually kind of kind of bad to say, but I get it what they call Connecticut style when it's yeah. just the crab meat and then it's drizzled in brown butter. Right. I think that is like the ultimate thing from the scene. You can watch the lobstermen come in and they're taking out lobsters and crabs. I think that's like when I think about Maine, I think about summer. I think about biting into a crab roll. That's incredible. So my my wife likes the Connecticut style. She does not go for the mayonnaise-based. Lobster yeah, roll. So I mean, the, I'm a mayonnaise fan, but like, there's something about shellfish and butter that's just like it's so much better than me. 
how is this peaky toe crab roll prepared? Is it also that's a is it crab and butter? Yeah, I mean, well, you can get it with with mayonnaise, and you know, sometimes they'll put celery salt or celery seed or something in there. But yeah, it's just this peaky toe crab. They don't, you know, they don't even fish for it. It's usually just a bycatch in the lobster cages, uh, and you know, it's it's basically stone crab stuff you get down in Miami and Florida. Um, yeah, and then. Yeah, and they just kind of pick it, and then it comes loaded. I mean, the key to any good lobster crab roll is the bun is toasted. Like, if it doesn't have a toasted bun that's been toasted in butter, it's like, I don't even eat it. I just throw it away. Um, <laughs> anyone how, who's serving that is is ridiculous. How is the 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 crab meat kind of prepared? Is it is it like that stringy shredded kind of preparation, or do they just do lump crab? with well, butter inside the roll. Like, like how do they do it? Yeah, that's, that's actually a good question. It's not, it's not as lump, like, like if you get a Dungeness crab from the Pacific Northwest, but it's not shredded like a blue crab from Maryland or the Carolinas. It's, it's kind of somewhere in between. But I do think because what makes Maine lobster so good, those cold waters. And so that, that meat is just so much sweeter than, anything else sometimes if you have a good crab roll it's almost like you think they put a little bit of sugar in it uh, but it's not it's just the sweetness of the meat indeed i i I love it and i love letting the meat speak for itself we're not going to do any better than that for an ending andrew knowlton the meat speaks for itself i always appreciate connecting with you uh congratulations on successfully navigating uh the tour de france even though it was from a car (laughs) Uh, I'm looking yeah. forward. When, when when can we expect to see your written treatment of this experience? I'm gonna we're gonna time it for for next year's Tour de France. So that would be oh. in the kind of July uh, July. That's probably because that they know that it, they gives me enough time to write it too. But uh, um, <laughs> yeah, so it, it'll it'll be a, a fun little read on just food and and all that and what it takes to do that. So uh, I got some time to think about it. Hey, apparently, yeah. So I, I was worried about stepping on the story, and, and here we are. We have a full year. I wasn't going to step on anything. We will reconnect yeah. with you uh, as as the Instagram stories that you prepare warrant. I'm, ex- I'm ex- extremely intrigued by the San Antonio project, so we'll connect with you as that sort of comes in, in, into view. Andrew Knowlton, as always, thanks for joining us, my buddy. All right, as always, enormous thanks to the homie Andrew Knowlton. He's got a standing invite to come on House of Carbs. The, we have to work on the on the diets of those bike riders. Maybe they could be helped by some friends at Old El Paso. Taco night, Taco Tuesday. I can't do it in, 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 in LeBron uh, uh, form. Taco Tuesday. That's the best I can do. It's a magical night, the night where everyone can eat happy, the night where conversations are engaging, the mood is light, the beers are cold, and no matter how you feel it, everyone has their perfect taco, but what if your shell falls over? No, your tortilla is dumping all that greatness onto your plate, complete devastation, kids crying, meal ruined, game over. Why risk the chaos? Grab Old El Paso. Old El Paso shells hold their own. Their stand and stuffed shells will not fall over. Your tortilla bowls are soft, but will not spoil. 
your perfected taco because they're not going to spill. They even created mini tortilla bowls for kids' hands or appetizers. The kids' hands are not the appetizers. The tortilla bowls are the appetizers. Come on, Hungry Homies. With Old Paso, you can spend more time enjoying the food and company and less time scooping the meat and cheese back into the shell. To top it off, the seasoning is the number one favorite in America. Last time we talked about these old El Paso shells, I shared with you these tortilla bowls. I'm going to share again. I'm telling you, I, I'm doing these mini quesadillas. These tortilla bowls are the perfect size because they're soft. You can stuff them. You can pinch the ends. You can get just the right amount, the combination, the ratio of delicious shredded pork and cheese or ground beef and cheese or beans and cheese and you put them in whatever your vehicle is for heating things up i use the microwave i'm not afraid to admit it 20 seconds these beautiful old el paso tortilla bowls are turning into bite-sized quesadilla deliciousness old el paso grab the the yellow box if you want more taco ideas go to oldelpaso.com for recipes products and so much more taste buds Today's episode also brought to us by Zip Recruiter. Hiring used to be hard. The job sites, the resumes, the confusing review process. It doesn't have to be that hard. It can be easy. You go to one place and get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash carbs. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards but they're not stopping there they have powerful matching technology they're scanning thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and zip recruiter invites them to apply to your job zip recruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on zip recruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day that is efficient 80 percent hit rate that is that that that's that's better than, than my free throw shooting. Right now, listeners of House of Carbs can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash carbs. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash C-A-R-B-S. ZipRecruiter.com slash carbs. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, hungry homies, and now it is time for food news. Yo, Chief House, what's uh, up, buddy? I'm uh, I'm really happy to be back. Uh, thanks for having me back on Food News. Um, Kyle put together a hell of a list. We have a lot to talk about. As you one would expect, this is the second edition of the summer Food News. Juliet continues to be on Food News hiatus, and Chief has agreed. To uh, do his very best. It's a to, lot of responsibility, but I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm up for it. Yeah. So uh, a lot of stuff ha- is is happening. I see chicken sandwiches. I see lifetime pasta passes. That's what do right. you have for us? Um, we're gonna we're gonna start with a mystery. Uh, I think it's always okay. good to start there. Uh, the headline here is how mystery In and Out Burger wound up on a Queens street, and there's a photo of a kind of crumpled up. I'm not sure if it's a double-double or a single. No, it is a double-double. A double-double on a on a, a street in Queens. 
Uh, here we go. Meet Mystery Solved, the New York man who recently told the New York Post about finding a pristine In-N-Out cheeseburger sitting on a Queen Street claims he's figured out how the double-double wound up so far from home. Lincoln Beam? We'll go with Beam. 31 said Wednesday that after posting about the puzzling patty on Instagram, he received a message from Helen Vivas, a 16-year-old Queens girl who said she had dropped the burger while running to catch a bus. Helen was sincere, and from the jump, I knew this person may hold the answers I've spent the last four days searching for, he wrote. The high schooler uh, told Bean that she picked up the burger at one of the West Coast chain's outposts in Encinitas, California, uh, on July 19th, before getting on a red-eyed JetBlue flight back to the Big Apple. And then she uh, she gives some, some proof, some receipts, uh, that this is actually her, and it seems like like mystery is solved. So we're kind of coming into this mystery at the conclusion rather than the beginning. Um, I can't imagine how shocking it would be uh, to be walking down a street in New York and see an in and out I mean, the, the first thing I would think is, is there some sort of pop-up situation going? Where's the food truck? How do I, how do, I do this? Because Shake Shack is out here. But in and out famously stays very, very far west. So this must have been quite the uh, quite the pickup for for this gentleman seeing this. Well, this yeah, that's right. The the in and out part of their thesis, part of their economic model, they claim is staying uh, remaining close enough to the source of the fresh ingredients that they also claim help distinguish their uh, fast food, and it, it really helps keep them at the price point that makes In-N-Out, because really, to me, as an East Coaster and a consumer of, of East Coast burgers and burger chains, the real appeal of In-N-Out is the price. The, the burgers and everything else are fine, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. what really distinguishes them, what makes for the long lines and everything, is fresh, fast food uh, at at very very affordable prices. Sure, but that's that's the East Coaster in me speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it would be shocking to find a pristine In and Out burger, um, you know, sitting on the street, except for the fact that it's New York City. Right. So, Chief, I could encounter anything on the on the street sure. in New York City in any form or condition. And it wouldn't really raise much of a, a, a raise my eyebrows. True enough. I, I, I my, my my reaction to the story is, what's going on in this twenty year old gentleman's life that he felt compelled to embark on a on a magical mystery tour? Look, I mean, like you pointed out, it's the summer. Uh, things are a little chill. Things are a little lax. Maybe if this would have been, you know, around the holidays or something, and this guy was, uh, you know, a busy, fast paced New Yorker, he would see an in and out. Not not think uh, uh, another thing of it and keep get keep going on his way, but you know it's a it's it's a warm warm summer day in New York. Maybe uh, maybe work is slow and he sees this and he thinks you know what I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I mean another question here too is I, I I have definitely taken food on planes and eaten them at unsafe periods of time after purchasing without refrigerating. I'm I I'm not saying that that's a good idea for anyone to do. And while you know I'm I'm definitely an In and Out fan, I do wonder if if that thing. I think maybe it was actually good for this young young woman that it fell out of her bag because 
an in and out at a, a few hours at room temp or uh, around is probably not going to be at the very least it's not going to be uh, up to its best standards you know what i mean yeah that i think that's the most polite way to put it well, <laughs> well done chief this is why you're the the copy editor i mean if we wanted to be graphic with the uh multiplication of of bacteria what 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 the common foodborne bacteria right. growth capacity is for for a burger that's that's you know um not put in some kind of preservative container within you know probably like an hour or so of it having been made yeah i don't i mean we don't want to call this house of 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 uh House of puke this week, but it's it's not a pretty picture. <laughs> no, no. Um, but it seems like it all 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 was well that ended well, and um, nobody ate the burger, right? It, 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 as far as I know, um, I, <laughs> I, you know, we, we I think we would have heard if someone would have gotten really uh re, really uh really sick off this thing. So I think that uh, I think that everything everything ended well for everybody. Well, that's good. We like to end with with, with on on happy with we like happy endings that's here right. at House of Carbs, Chief. So, moving on from um, a story with a happy ending to a story with possibly no ending ever, if you're lucky enough. The headline here is Olive Garden is selling a lifetime pasta pass this week. Um, Olive Garden's famed unlimited pasta pass returns this week. The passes will officially go on sale Thursday. But this year, there'll also be a new addition to the Pasta Pass lineup, a lifetime pass. Yes, you can purchase a pass that was that literally gets you all the carbs you can physically consume in one sitting for the rest of your life. Just like the traditional Pasta Pass, the lifetime model will also include unlimited soup, salad, and you knew this was coming, breadsticks. The passes. <laughs> so the, the, there are now like three, three to five paragraphs about all of the very kind of complicated permutations you have to go through to qualify for this lifetime pass. I have to admit, I, I, I started to lose interest, uh, which I think was maybe the point. They didn't want a million people going for lifetime passes. They're a business. They have to, you know, not, not give everybody free pasta for the, for the rest of their life. But I think uh, the way that it was going to shake out is that 50 people in the end were going to... Um, Pay, I think it was five hundred dollars uh, for a lifetime lifetime pasta. So I guess house one, would you have the patience to go through all the hoops that you have to go through to get this? And two, does at least five hundred dollars make it worthwhile to you to have lifetime lifetime uh, pasta pasta at at uh, Olive Garden? Chief, I I feel like the food gods put the story into the mix for us <laughs> this week at this point at this juncture in the show at this juncture in, in our lives mm-hmm. to be to be uh honest with you i mean the the name of the show is absolutely House right of carbs right, right. and here we are with olive garden putting out a, a potential lifetime supply of carbs now this very much caught my attention as sure, well sure sure and we happen to be recording on Thursday, August the 15th. And it just so happened that today was the day that these passes became available. Oh, that's right. And it, it, they, they are a very special subset of the one-time-a-year $100 pass that you can purchase uh, That's used uh, that can be used over a nine-week period, an endless pasta uh, uh technique and endless pasta promotion that Olive Garden's been running for some number of years. 
where they make 24,000 of these endless pasta options available at a certain time online. And this year they added it on, if I'm understanding the story correctly, the ability to express an interest in a lifetime pasta pass. So the first 50 folks who signed up for the nine week endless pasta that costs a hundred bucks had an opportunity to click a box. That's right. And get at a, a, a lifetime of pasta. I, notwithstanding all of it and the, and then, and the intrigue uh, that goes quite along with our brand here, chief. Right. I'm not sure this really moves the needle for me. Okay. Okay. Like the problem is too many restrictions. Like oh. you have to physically be there. There's no sharing and you can't really take any of it home with you. Now, if I had assurance from a hungry homie or a taste bud or a culinary comrade out there that if you were in good, had good relations, good standing, in good standing mm-hmm. with your local Olive Garden, right. had a nice rapport with the with the management team and the service team there, and that those requirements, those constrictions yeah. were not religiously followed, then then you might have my attention. Right. Because like, what if I'm sitting there and I've ordered uh, the the Alfredo? Yeah. And I say to my wife who loves uh, uh, ch- chicken Alfredo, you know, fettuccine yeah. Alfredo with a little grilled chicken. I say, please have a bite of this. Is somebody going to run over and say, hey, you violated the terms right. of, your, of your pasta pass? Right. And what if I get through, you know, three entrees and then I say, well, I'm also interested in, in, in the lasagna. I'm going to have half a lasagna. I'm not, I don't want to leave the half lasagna behind. No. That's wasteful. No way. Wasteful. Why can't I bring it home? Right. Right. That's so for one thing, good on you reading the fine print as always not surprised there at all for another. I, so I, I missed the part that you can't share. That sounds like a twilight zone episode to me. Oh, here you go. You get to read, you get to eat all the pasta for the rest of your life completely alone. I mean, that sounds awful. Right. That sounds terrible. I mean, you're so Doesn't like- Doesn't that defeat the purpose it, it, of, it of not does. only, you know, um, eating in general, but like an Olive Garden eating experience. When you're here, you're family. Right. <laughs> right. What the hell? Can you imagine the, the, the look on a manager's face if like four winners show up to one restaurant at the same time? They're probably just going to shut the place down. Well, it, it has to happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like this. This is the the hidden secret is like a hundred dollars worth of of pasta over um, nine weeks for what it like genuinely costs them. All all of that that pasta, the cost of the pasta, none of it's in the food. It's all in the the people that they employ. Right. Right. And you know the good service they deliver, and you know whatever it, it costs them. Um, for drinks and stuff, you know, yeah, it, it's infrastructure costs. Pasta right. doesn't cost anything. It doesn't cost anything to make right, pasta, right, right, or any of the sauces that they offer. It sounds like a good gift to give your like twenty year old nephew who works next to an Olive Garden who'll just be eating alone <laughs> every day. Well, Kyle, I went online. Don't think for a second. I mean, you know, here, we we are professionals here at House of Carbs. I was online at two o'clock. Amazing. I got shut out. All 24,000 were gone. Oh, my God. And all 50 of the lifetime passes, gone. Wow. Sons of bitches. Wow. So I appreciate the viral quality of this. I mean, it, it caught the it caught some attention. Right. Good on Olive Garden for, for the promotion. I, I'm not sure if over the course of my life 
uh, I would put the $500 to good use. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, Olive Garden, good for a conversation topic, but we're going to pass on throwing down the dough for the carbs. Um, okay. There so, aren't enough Olive Gardens also in, in, in my life. Uh, I don't encounter okay. them. You yeah. have to go out of my way to find them. You know what I mean? There, you, you can't think off the top of your head, this is my neighborhood Olive Garden. I can't actually either now that I think of it, which is a yeah, problem. I mean- I don't know if that's because we're mostly like city people, but it's not like I live, you know, in a downtown metropolis. Right. I'm in a, a neighborhood in Washington, D.C. where there could easily be an, an olive garden if they so choose. It's just that's not what's out my way. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know, I, I, I do think, though, that if you're living in certain areas in sort of like suburban America, if you asked 10 people, where's your nearest olive garden, they could probably give you the coordinates uh, off the off the top of their head. Well, um, well, Kyle certainly can. Yeah, right, right, right. Exactly. Um, Kyle, we'll 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 keep looking out for you, though, buddy. Don't worry. Appreciate y'all. Taste buds, quick break. I want to tell you about some friends of ours here at House of Carbs, Ben and Jerry's. They are friends of ours. It's summertime, which means it's prime ice cream season. Ben and Jerry's has some ice cream. For you, I have to tell you, I have been dabbling. I've been experimenting because Ben and Jerry's have been doing the same kind of thing. They're putting out non-dairy versions of some of their most popular flavors as well as low-calorie, lower-calorie versions. I've been experimenting in both. The vegan Cherry Garcia is effing unbelievable. And the reason it's effing unbelievable is because Ben the, the Ben & Jerry Cherry Garcia was my very first Ben & Jerry's ice cream, my introduction, but my entryway drug, if you will, to the entire Ben & Jerry uh, uh, empire. And Cherry Garcia remains an all-time dead-on number one favorite the vegan version of this is incredible because I can't tell the difference. Now, I'm not a person that holds himself out as having an impeccable palate. I am like you, my hungry homies. I want to eat what's good, what tastes good. I want to eat a lot of it. But the Ben & Jerry's vegan Cherry Garcia, I can't recommend it enough. If you're having, if you want to avoid dairy for any reason whatsoever, get yourself into this. Or maybe you just, you know, want to try something different and see if if you can detect the difference. Get yourself to benjerry.com. Treat yourself to this favorite flavor. Anywhere ice cream is sold, or you can find yourself a new favorite. It's B-E-N-J-E-R-R-Y. Com. Okay, so let's let's move on to. I think this is a topic that you might have discussed earlier. This is a, a an update. Um, the headline here is: Popeyes announces a new chicken sandwich, chooses unusual restaurant for debut. Uh, Popeyes is releasing its first ever chicken sandwich, and I hear it's I hear it's excellent, and it has chosen an interesting way to do it. Popeyes announced the debut of what it is calling its, quote, biggest product launch in 30 years on Thursday. The chicken sandwich features a buttermilk-battered and hand-breasted chicken filet on a toasted brioche bun topped with pickles, neither mayo or spicy Cajun spread. The newest edition will be available nationwide starting August 12th, according to a press release. However, those in California 
specifically Long Beach, not too far from us here, have an opportunity to snag a bite of the fast food chain's much-anticipated creation by visiting Sweet Dixie Kitchen, which will exclusively be selling the sandwich Thursday and Friday. Uh, you may remember that Sweet Dixie Kitchen, which is popular in Long Beach, um, in 2017, owner Kim Sanchez proudly served up Popeye's chicken at her restaurants and claimed it as her own. The story sparked a lot of outlash on social media, but Popeye's was cool about it. And Popeye's didn't seem upset. And it actually prompted them to team up with Sweet Dixie Kitchen for the launch. So this place that was making its own chicken sandwiches using Popeye's chicken is now going to be one of the places where it, it, was, it was just a, a few days ago now. You can, you can actually go and get the, the actual Popeye's chicken sandwich. So one, this is very meta. And two, this just seems like kind of um, kind of like a just like a big a big move on Popeye's part. It seems really like they just saw an opportunity and they and they took it. Chief, this is my favorite food story of 2019. Oh, fantastic. Not only uh, is there no such thing as far as I'm personally concerned as as too many chicken sandwiches. Like I, I wish every purveyor of any kind of fast casual offering that had the means to deliver a, a, a chicken version would do so. That's how much I love a, a, a chicken sandwich. Okay. A fried chicken sandwich in particular. Um, because the compare and contrast there could be incredible. Mm -hmm. But when my number one, my A number one, without hesitation or reservation, fast food experience, the very best fried chicken in all of America that's worldwide available. Now, mm -hmm. I, I was lucky enough, quick side note, to go down to Memphis, Tennessee and try uh, 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 Gus's world famous fried oh, chicken. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that is the best fried chicken I've ever had. Okay. But Popeye's I've had in my life for for f 45 years, sure, longer. Sure. Mm -hmm. and, and and Popeye's uh, has established itself as the the very tippy top of my pyramid of fast food. That's the my choice of fast food any and every time. So them offering a chicken sandwich is a, a, a dramatic development. Mm -hmm. It's one that I'm sure will, will be uh, enriching my life. I'm going to have two or more of those sandwiches tonight because oh, they come fantastic. both regular and spicy. Amazing. They came available just this week. I was in New York. I haven't been around my local uh, Popeyes, but I'm going to stop in tonight. That will be my dinner. Great. And their, uh, uh, the, 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 the wisdom in partnering with somebody who was so desperate to serve delish, delicious fried chicken to their customers that they went to the source of the very best fried chicken that's out there. Absolutely. And, and you know, notwithstanding the, the communication uh, and, and the subterfuge, you know, um, had the, the good business judgment to, to uh, collaborate yep. with this, with this uh, purveyor. I mean, you just gotta. It, it's it's pats on the back all around. Chief. Absolutely. I mean, this this is like an up and coming musician samples something that everyone is like, oh well, this is a lick from this very well known song, and the more established musician, instead of suing, is like, you know what, that's cool, that sounds good, and now let's go work on on something else, at least at least at least somewhat. Um, but I I agree. I just think that it's sort of. I mean, wh why? Like the the, <clears throat> the opportunity cost of going after this person was just you know like it it just didn't make sense whatsoever 
And I'm just really happy that they actually like looked for an actual win-win and the sandwich looks delicious and the proprietor of Sweet Dixie, Ki- Sweet Dixie Kitchen seems, um, you know, extremely happy. And I don't know. It's just it's one of these rare food stories where it seems like everyone everyone comes out on top. Well, we're going to come out on top the next time that, that we're, we're convened. We will have both sampled many iterations. I already have Absolutely. some ideas of things that I'm, I'm going to try them as Popeye's intends them mm-hmm. um, without my own adornments, my, without my own uh, additives. I already have some ideas, though, for things that I might slide into the Popeye's okay. fried chicken. I'm not going to describe them right now. Okay. I mean, certainly there's some hot sauce options and... and uh, you know, I have this idea with bake with the jalapeno gravy that I'm kind oh of God. working on right now. Incredible. And I'm not going to hack the sandwich just yet, right. but let's make sure, Chief, next time we're convened, we've had these sandwiches and we can report to all the hungry homies. That's a uh, deal. We give them a full review. I, I'm already expecting it's, you know, for me, it's going to be five stars. I don't know how else, uh, you know. What other res- I really don't contemplate any other result being possible. No, I don't. I I don't think so either. And I mean, look, like just good on them for opening up. Like we're already thinking about how we're going to hack this sandwich. And this this small businesswoman, she had the foresight to hack the chicken originally. So really, this is yes. This isn't just this like is a the thing. This isn't just like a feel good story. This is basically like new food frontiers. I mean, this is actually. This is way bigger than everyone is even giving it uh, giving it credit for. I, I think you're right. Well, this being the biggest story of of 2019. I mean, we're just trying to do our small part here at House That's of right. Carbs, Chief. As That's you know. right. It's all it's all it's all for the community. All um, for the community. I don't think we're going to do any better. Do we have time for one more? Or no. Yeah, yeah. Let's do another one. Okay, one, one, one more, real quick. Um, here's the headline. This is another. This is another feel good feel good story. Feel good, feel good summer story. It's summertime. That's what, right. How else exactly. do you want people to feel? This exactly. is exactly the point of That's the show. Right. Restaurant thief returns ketchup bottles after karma strikes. That's the headline. Mm. Uh, this is obviously from the New York Post. She wouldn't cut the mustard as a hardened criminal, but I'm bummed. A thief who swiped a bottle of ketchup from a New Jersey restaurant was so racked with guilt and suffering from bad karma that she secretly returned to drop off two containers of Heinz. This is a quote. I hope returning two new bottles will restore some luck for me and I can stop carrying around this guilt, wrote the contrite condiment klepto (laughs) in a note left with the ketchup outside a door at Perkins Restaurant and Baker and Route 9 in Forked River. The thief uh, admitted in the note that she had no good reason to steal from the Lacey Township restaurant. A few weeks ago, I had taken one of your ketchup bottles off the table because for some odd reason, I thought it'd be risky, said the note. Um, I am as square as they come, and this is the worst thing I've done. Well, a few hours after I did it, someone crashed into my car, and since then, my karma, luck, and life have been shit, she acknowledged. And then she just she goes on to say, I'm really sorry, and she she returned she returned the ketchup. Um let's see, did she return it with like with like a new new ketchup bottle? Because my, my first question is like, oh yes, yes. These were these were new ketchup bottles because the thing is, is like my first thing was like, well, that'd be nice to return them. But if if I'm a responsible restaurant, I'm not going to take a ketchup bottle that's been out of circulation for two weeks and reintroduce it into into my business. I'm probably going to to uh, throw away that ketchup and, and recycle the bottle. That said, I mean, good on this person for 
I don't really know about the karma thing. I mean, that's like a little, that's a little, uh, it's a little long, but good on her for realizing this is a small business. Every little bit counts. And I'm going to, I'm going to do my bit to, to chip back in. Well, I, I do think that there may be something to the karma element because having like a, a full Heinz ketchup bottle is such a rarity this day and age. <laughs> You're so much more likely to encounter a plastic, uh, uh, anonymous squeeze bottle yeah. that's, yeah. that's colored red. Right. Or right. you get packets of ketchup, which yeah, are yeah, just yeah. completely unsatisfactory because- awful. For, for any kind of application of ketchup, you need at least three packets, yep. a minimum of three packets. Yep. But to have the charming, you know, the heavyweight, um, classy glass Heinz ketchup, and, or even if it was a, a the, the, the weighty plastic yeah. one, yeah. it's so much more satisfying. And I also love, um, you know, the, the, the brand element of it, like, you know, Having Heinz on there, that gives me sure. um, some confirmation, some validation that you care. Definitely. You care about the little things. Yeah. You're putting yeah. out, you know, it's not generic. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to bes- besmirch anybody, but it's not generic uh, ketchup yep. maker, <laughs> you know, from, from Peoria. Right. Not that there's anything wrong with Peoria. Well, yeah. But you get what I'm saying, Chief. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a great point about the just like existential disappointment you get when you pick up a ketchup bottle that is colored red and you think it's going to be full and there's maybe like two shakes in there and you have to go through the whole Michigas. You have to shake the thing so that the ketchup gets down and then it splatters on the plate. And it's just like, no, no, no. I want my ketchup. I want it in vast quantities and I want it to flow in, in, in an efficient manner onto my fries. I don't want this, you know, like we're living in the depression and we have to like get like a like a knife and like scrape every single bit out. So th- the few times when you do actually really get like a nice, like you said, weighty ketchup bottle, it really feels like like you've hit the jackpot. Well, and, and I know that you didn't do this intentionally. Um, it is always the case, my hungry homies, that for these food news stories, the 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 deliverer of the news gets to choose the stories uh, very rarely do we compare notes ahead of time. We all we do typically is figure out how many stories. On the internet yesterday was this weird collision that I still don't quite understand because I'm just a regular person living a regular life. But uh, the Ringer's own Dan Devine posted a story yesterday about the fortunes of the Utah Jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, he very much um, likes the things that they did in the off season, and the Jazz seemed poised to have perhaps their very best season and maybe even be title contenders for the NBA 2020 championship. And for some reason, Hines chimed in. Now, if, if I'm a big dummy and there's an obvious relationship between Hines and the Salt Lake uh, City community and and the, uh, the Utah Jazz, you know, a, a pox on me, but I don't know it. No. Hines, for whatever reason, chimed in, thinks that the Jazz have great uh, 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 opportunity to win, and all of a sudden, the Utah Jazz and Heinz Ketchup were proclaiming on the internet to be best friends, and this very show, House of Carbs, our Twitter handle, at House of Carbs, obviously we had to confirm how in our lane this marriage is, and we we bless it. We bless this marriage. Again, I have no idea what the relationship is, 
but we bless this marriage. Yeah, I, I, I don't either. I mean, they're they're from like Pennsylvania or something, right? But look, I mean, if you think about it, this makes a lot of sense. Ketchup uh, is sneakily excellent, but it's much derided. And it's kind of, it's sort of like right out there in plain sight, but everyone is going to, you know, sort of act like they're some sort of Chicago snob and go for the mustard first. The Jazz, no one is really thinking about them immediately as a Western contender next year. But look, Dan's right. They've put together an incredible roster. And um, I, I, I trust Dan Devine. If, if he says that they're going to be contender next year, they, they definitely are. So I think Hines maybe saw a little bit of themselves in the Utah Jazz, and this just seems to make utter sense to me. Craig Gaines, this is why you are the chief. That was incredible. What a, what a, what a beautiful explication of, of, of a relationship that doesn't seem like on the face of it makes any sense, but honestly makes perfect sense. We are not going to do any better than this That's right. for this week's food news. <laughs> Chief, always an immense pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Always happy to talk condiments. Talk soon. <laughs> talk to you soon. All right, there we go, my hungry homies. Another delicious episode of House of Carbs to savor. You're going to get to savor this one all next week. We are uh, off until the week right before Labor Day. We're going to reconvene. We have a couple of delicious ideas lined up. We're going to get my man Kevin Alexander. He's his brand new book, uh, Burn the Ice. Kevin Alexander, the national critic from Thrillist. And I'm going to hit up Danny Chow. I, we're overdue for some Danny Chow love. But in the meantime, please enjoy this delicious discussion with our homie Andrew Knowlton and the food news with the Chief Craig Gaines. I implore all of you to get out there and get these Popeye's fried chickens and send us pictures. At the House of Carbs is the Instagram. Let's all build some beautiful fried chicken stories together, my hungry homies. Until next time, let's stay hungry out there. Yeah.